House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. I'm Kevin, joined by Jason. House of Run at gmail.com is our email address. Probably shouldn't be giving that out, Jason. There was a flood of emails into our inbox this week, and I started to think it might have been a prank because there were so many, and I examined the email addresses. I couldn't find any pattern. I looked for similar syntax, diction. I did a full, full review of these emails, and I think that they are all legit, which is very surprising. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think. I was like, did you ask people? Like, you know, every once in a while, we'll just beg Twitter for emails or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, I don't think we did that this week. And somehow we have, I don't know if it's our most emails ever, but it's got to be like like non-Olympic or champ, or World Championship week. Like, it's, I think it's got to be a record for that. And certainly a January record by every by every measure. Yeah, Western Hemisphere record. Yeah, soil uh, record for sure. An inbox soil record for sure. Is this just the championship year? Is that what's going on here? I think people are excited. Track is kind of happening. Um, Dubai was insane. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, it was certainly an interesting like week for for the end of January. Like there was like a, more stuff going on than there normally would be. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, I, I couldn't have pictured this many emails. We got three voicemails too. We got someone calling in and give us a a two ten. So, sound a sub 210 sound so anytime jason brings that up we can play a perfect a sound bite which is awesome we're tr- we're getting closer and closer to the morning drive time radio 86.3 on your dial <laughs> it's jason in the kevster i didn't think that one through um let's talk about dubai i guess let's start there yeah uh, i, I want to leave time i want to try to get to all these emails i don't want to save any for next week i probably should because next week there'll be like three people yep emailing and then i'll say what happened but i was just excited i assumed everybody stopped listening i thought there was a huge drop off we were yelling into a void for a long time and then on championship year so to see the reception was was very encouraging so thank you everybody uh we're gonna try to do them all this week if not we'll do next week but we we did have stuff to talk about let's start with dubai which was last thursday recording this on a tuesday evening so five days ago by the time you hear it almost six days ago very very old dubai takes here you said it was a a crazy Dubai marathon, and crazier than normal, probably. I think in terms so. Of, right? In terms of speed, not in terms of turns in the course. Yes. Similar level of craziness there. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's always fast. We know it's fast. Um, but when you've got, you know, the top two guys run two hundred three thirty four and two hundred three forty, and the top two women run two seventeen oh eight and two seventeen forty one, that feels faster than usual. Um, something that's the standard though is a bunch of names I have never seen before running these insanely fast times. Yeah. So let's start there with the women because now you, for the top three names in the women's marathon, you have Paula Radcliffe. Yep. Mary Katani. Okay. And Ruth Chepnegich. Perfect. <laughs> she definitely <laughs> belongs above, uh, you know, Debaba and Chariot and all those. She is, she's the number one contender. All time. Great. So she runs, Two seventeen oh eight. They were on a really quick pace the, the entire time, but didn't falter too much off of it. And it was very clear by thirty k that it was going to be good. 
it was just a matter of, of how good. Cause even if they started walking completely, they would have still managed to go under 218 and they went 217, smashed the course record uh, in the process. You know, Chep Negic, so last year she ran uh, 218.35 in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. So that's impressive. She ran yeah. a 222 in Paris. Two, in 2017, she ran a 222 in Istanbul. And those are her only rec- uh, marathons on record. So pretty surprising. And then you want to go to number five all time now, and it would have been number four all time. So enter this is uh, the the pantheon here of women's marathoners. You have, of course, what what Degefa? Excuse me. Yes, I was I was like, well, Workinish Degefa Work- Debele. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, two two seventeen forty one. Come on down. You're the next contestant on. Are you one of the greatest <laughs> marathoners of all time? I like Workinish went. Two three in the women's race. That's impressive. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, Certainly, Long's in the fast name category. Um, yeah, I, I mean, hey, two seventeen is impressive no matter where you run it. Obviously, I mean that just, you know, I don't think it automatically uh, makes you one of the best in the world because we see women and men run insanely fast times at Dubai every year. Like sometimes two, sometimes yeah. five whatever number and not all of those end up being stars but um i mean you could probably bet pretty good on on someone you know some of these names from the men's women race like doing something special i I mean 217 is is ridiculous but yeah i just i'm always really wondering it's like i just want like i don't want to baba or you know katani or kipchoge or any of these people to run dubai really but I kind of right. do because it's just like, man, what what could happen? You want them to establish a baseline. I just want them to go like, oh, when we did that, all that stuff for breaking two, we could have just run in Dubai because Kipchoge <laughs> trained one fifty seven. Like that's just realizing that, like, oh, we could have done this legally, and it's just somehow this is, you know, I just uh, it's amazing. So the men's race, there was a big pack early on, as there always is. It goes down to. Gitana Mola and Herpasa Nagasa. Those two break away. Mola wins 203.34. Nagasa 203.40. And Mola, you know, he ran 12.59 in that Diamond League final last year when the winner ran 12.43. He's yeah, a, what, he finished 14th in that race or something? I, I, yes, something like that. This was his first marathon. So there you go. Pretty solid debut. But, that's the 11th fastest mark of all time. If you're looking at this from the perspective of Kipchoge, which I don't blame you if you are, because that's how I look at every marathon now on the men's side. Dubai always goes out crazy fast. Yeah. This year was no exception. And yet at halfway, they still weren't on world record pace because the world record <laughs> is that fast now. It's, it's Dubai proof unless Kipchoge shows up. Yeah. That's – that is – yeah, that's a good stat. I like that. Um, I mean, man, a two a two hundred three thirty. I mean, they, so you, I mean, you have two hundred three thirty, two hundred three forty, two hundred four twenty. Another couple of guys at two hundred five. Uh, I just Mola. I mean, that's sure. Like, yeah. Now you, you. I mean, you have to go into a major marathon after this. Like, I don't want you. Shouldn't be back in Dubai next year. Sorry, no offense to Dubai, but like, let's right. let's let's. You guys got to go up to the next level here. Um, 
Dubai is Dubai Q School. Is that what this is? I think so. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good way to run your fastest marathon of your life, probably, and then you yeah. go on to other marathons. But um, you know, it's still well, that- impressive to see those numbers happen. But I just I still don't know exactly what to make of them. Well, that's that's exactly it, right? You said some people who win go on to greatness, and some we never hear of again. Mm-hmm. But virtually all of them, this is the fastest they'll run, right? And there's been world records set in Dubai before. I just I don't want to go back to that time. And I know Berlin is super fast, and Berlin is tailor made to be quick. But there's something about it. I just when they, when the women were running down the that final mile, I was like, if they're if they turn in a faster time than Katani, it just something feels wrong about that. Yeah. Even though even though Katani did it in London again, fast time or fast course, pacers, everything set up, just like Dubai. And I'm not saying that Dubai is doing anything wrong. It's just the lack of you know the the times correlating to anything resembling reality. <laughs> And and just the the lack of it corresponding to anything that can be re- reproduced at any time just makes me go, huh? Okay, it's it's like a weird one-off sprint time by it's, somebody. Where yeah, it's like, like yeah, the, the Claremont wind, the wind Marathon was, that we need. yes, like yeah, that the wind needs is one point nine. Yeah, <laughs> but if you convert or the that track at altitude in France or Italy where. Everybody runs. Isaac McWalla runs forty three seconds. Yeah, right? it's, it's like I don't, I don't know. I I think they cut the prize money in half this year, and I don't know. I, I mean, that obviously it would have helped to have more prize money to make the race even faster. I I think Dubai's like they just got to be a major. Or they're not one of the two. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it, it is. No turning makes things fast. I think that's a big a big takeaway here that's that helps that is definitely makes a difference um but yeah it's it's weird yeah because i i mean we said yeah berlin is fast london is fast but and it's it is really really hard to know actually what the difference in like speed of a course is like we we can just kind of base like oh what are these times what do people run on these courses over the years and like london is is fast but it also you know goes goes out at some insane paces so like that can obviously change yeah. the numbers a bunch and you know berlin is fast but it also has some of the fastest people in the world trying to run really fast on it like i don't know it, it's interesting like i'd be curious you know hey is dubai five seconds faster than berlin is it a minute faster than berlin i i, I mean i have no idea well i think because dubai has so many people in that 204 205 for, I'm, I'm speaking on the the men's side here that middle range it can get to halfway or to 30k with a lot more people in the mix yeah. going fast because the mission and we've talked about this marathon I mean every year since we started doing the pod um and come up with some, all sorts of analogous situations I think one time I called it like the Ethiopian distance runner American Idol because it's like you just go for it there yeah there's no <clears throat> there's no virtue in settling for a 208 and like an eighth place finish in Dubai, right? It's all or nothing. Like that's the whole point. Like you're going there to get a time and then be part of the big show. Mm. And, but there's so many people in it. There's that in, in, in London, it's, it's like that elite fields, you know, 20, 25 people. That's it. 
right? And they're worried to to go for it in that same sense. So it's like, yeah, it's. Mm. I mean, it's a it's a really good point, and that's probably what it is. You have, by any definition, the insanely talented runners. Like, I'm not trying to belittle any of these runners. They are insanely talented, and they are like the, you know, the hot prospects coming up, like in other sports, like who you'd want. But then it's like you just put them all in this crazy scenario it's like okay let's see who comes out on top and if like that makes sense that you would end up getting some like crazy performances and some people who, who you know some of these ethiopians ran 208 um, yeah exactly and i'm sure they can run 205 like just because probably they can um yeah but it's it's you throw enough against the wall and it's, a few people are going to come out you know, looking good the person who was most heralded coming in this race guye adola was nowhere yeah Right. It, I mean, it, obviously, you look at Mola, the winner, okay, 12.59 on the track, but, but this was his first one. And it was just as likely for him to be the guy who DNFs. Right. But he stuck to the wall. The other people didn't. <laughs> and that, that that's what you get here that you don't get necessarily at other races, just a pure pursuit of a fast time with a, a huge amount of depth. Now, if they continue to shrink the, the amount of money involved in the race, then you're going to see that go away. But as for now, it's, it's like, you know, this thing is so deep. And you look at elite fields, like you actually look at, okay, who's in the elite field at, at the other majors? It's actually not that big. Right. It, yeah. A super, super deep, great marathon is like, oh, well, these five names are really good. And then it right, can drop because off then immediately after that. The elite field might be 20 people. But they're incorporating people from multiple countries as well, too, because they want to have some balance. Mm-hmm. So there's at least you know five, six, seven, eight people there who aren't this like a, a 205 guy. Like they're not just bringing in. Okay, here's the 20 fastest Ethiopians and Kenyans. Mm-hmm. They're trying to create some sort of balance. Um, I like the difference there. between eighth and ninth in the women's race. I just noticed that. What was it? So eighth place, um, Sule Atura from Ethiopia. 232.52. Ninth place, uh, Zilin Zhang from China, 323. Is that a typo? I, I, I'm <laughs> assuming so. Like, I'm assuming it's like 233, but like, I kind of want it to be where there was nine women in this race, apparently, and just eight, or well, eighth and ninth was 50 minutes. Well, okay, so look at the women's field, because the women's field is much more like what we'd see in a uh, men's major, right? So you have two people in 217. Then 221, 222, 225, 226, 227, and then 232. And who knows what happened with ninth, but right? That's not very top-heavy, but not much depth. Now, they're in a different situation, right? Because they have, they're running in the mass race with the men, so they have male pacers. Um, and Chep Negich right now is just running very fast, like a 218 last year and then a 219 now. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. This was accurate, by the way. Um so there was actually seven other women who finished in between, but they weren't in the elite field. So that ninth Zilling Zhang oh, okay. was an elite woman, and she finished fifteenth overall. Um, but there we go. Yeah. So interesting. Okay, let's move on to to indoor. There was a pro meet, first one of the U.S. season, New Balance Indoor Grand Prix. Not much to take away from this one, from where I sat, Jason. A lot of people are like, eh. That was cool. I got to see people, but there is no indoors for world champs this year. Yeah, which it, and that combined with the fact that world championships aren't until week four of the NFL season means that you're going to get you know fewer and fewer 
people here. So, I mean, we saw Kajelka run a 351. Nailed it. Yeah, on last (laughs) week. Uh, Brazier and Murphy had a really competitive race in that 800. Race of the day, for sure. Yeah, Klosterhofen uh, split a 434 off a stupidly slow pace. I mean, that thing was just so, so slow. They didn't follow the rabbit at all in the 5,000. Gebrowet beat Chez and, and Sydney cruised in the 500 with with no competition what was your your, your highlight was bridge and murphy yeah i think that was i mean 351 was obviously very impressive by kajelka and i think that's what i guessed he would do i mean it was a guess that's the way, way to put it but brazier murphy was was really interesting you have you know brazier coming off a kind of a weird couple of years um but mm-hmm. obviously super talented you have murphy you know coming off the injury but Again, super talented. Both these guys are going to be competing. Uh, and both run 145, you know, 145.9. And three 100s between them. It was a really close finish. Um, that's, that's you know, like that. that's a fun rivalry. That'll be good to get there, uh, you know, get those two guys going. If Boris Barian does something, who knows? Um, but mm-hmm. men's 800 could be, you know, could be good. Oh, yeah, I think it will be. Brazier looks, he said he'd only been training for a couple weeks. Yeah, which so. is, I mean, which is great, and, and like we know he's insanely talented, and he's you know he's run some in crazy times um, mm-hmm. constantly. Uh, you know he hasn't really had the you know big moment in I don't know if it's the rounds or or what you know the, the championship level racing, but yeah, you, you have to assume he'll break through at some point. Kajelka three fifty one. Do you think he's got a shot at Garuja's three forty eight <sighs> world record? I mean, is he going to, I'm wondering, you know, does he take one more crack at it? Does he take, I mean, it would, it would have to be really, really perfect. I think he, I think you know, he's going to race at least two more miles. Yeah. The two more, more one mile races. If I had to guess, I'd bet on him getting 349. 349. Okay. Yeah. So he joins Chaz up there. Yeah. I, th- I, I think, um, I mean, Hey, perfect everything maybe, but it, it's, it's really hard to break a garouche time. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're they're That's, they're like some those just crazy <laughs> records that like aren't supposed to be touched. But it's you know we we see people kind of you know Kip Rop made some runs more out, you know, obviously outdoors than indoors, but where where people get close and they're look like they're they're on that route. But those you know those seconds get harder and harder to cut back. But he was completely dominant this race, so he needs someone to to kind of push him too. They said the same thing about the Dubai course records, Jason, and those got broken. That's true. Just be careful. Be careful. Uh, thoughts on Sydney's race? Did you get a chance? To, and then there was a, those women's 300s too with Ellis and Gabby Thomas. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Sydney's race was, I mean, you know, I get you just kind of set her up to to win an easy race because it's, you know, the New Balance meet and you're, she's the, you know, shiny new toy. Um, but this wasn't really an exciting thing to watch, unfortunately, um, which is hard to make. The Sid, uh, you know Sydney McLaughlin racing not that exciting, but they <laughs> they managed to do it. Her only race of the indoor season. I mean, it's pra- it was practice. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I don't even like blame them, but it's like, was this exciting in any way whatsoever? No, not really. And that's that's fine. And at five hundred, it's hard for me to get super excited for a five hundred anyway because I barely know what the times mean to begin with. It's not it's not a swim meet. That's yeah, what they, they do five hundreds and swim meets. I. I believe you, and I don't. I, I, I can't vouch for that, but um, yeah. So it's it's just you know I'm very much looking forward to Sydney's season, but this wasn't even the start of it. This was just practice. 
We're talking about practice. Practice. Not the game she lives and dies for. <laughs> uh, anything else from New Balance? No, I mean, it was, you know, there was, like I said, there was a little bit of, little bit of interest to it, but it wasn't, it, it, you know, it wasn't, I mean, indoors is still the warm-up for outdoors for me, and, I mean, there could be still really great and fun races in indoors, mm-hmm. but it's, it never quite gets me all the way. Like, it gets me excited for track, you know? It's like, hey, I'm, I'm pumped for spring training baseball coming up, just because it's like baseball <laughs> is happening, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this thing, this thing I love, it's coming back. And that's that's kind of what indoor track is. Indoor track's a little more than that because occasionally you get, you know, someone like Christian Coleman breaking world records and, and stuff like that does happen, and that's really interesting. Or even that men's 800 race was, like, really good, and that's fun. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just kind of, like, it's, it's easing us back into the track season. Yeah. Over the Armory which will host Milrose in a couple weeks, the Dr. Sander invite. Uh, Caitlin Tui, 901 in the 3,000. She finished third in a field against pros, her mm-hmm. first race a- against pros. And then we had a, a world record, Jason. Oh. Some people are going to call it a world best, but we don't recognize world bests <laughs> here. Uh, do, we have that, do we have that song handy for this, this four by, men's 4x1 four world record by the Brooks Beasts? 4x1 mile. Here we go. It's a world record, the likes of which has never been seen. It's a world record, highest, fastest, farthest a human's ever achieved. Wouldn't believe if I told you, go to YouTube and I'll show you. Got results to verify, soon it will be ratified Well it's a world record The likes of which has never been seen Well it's a world record Highest, fastest, farthest a human's ever achieved Well it's a world record Well it's a world record That's right Jason the quartet of the Brooks Beast took down the old record uh, of the NJNY Track Club. You had Wynn, you had Kidder, you had Ribich, and you had Isaac Yorks on anchor. 1603.68. Yeah. Pretty good time. I, I mean, yeah, that definitely is a good time. And that's, I mean, it's obviously. <laughs> Not the most uh, highly competed in event, um, but it's uh, it's fun. Like I, you know, I, I like it, and they they were pretty dominant, one by thirteen seconds here, um, and ju- yeah, just over four. I think we need to get that under sixteen, though. It's 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 obviously For it's, sure. a, it's a very good time, but like, yeah, I want to see fifteen on there. That that'll get me excited. I think. Well, the outdoor record is fifteen forty nine by Ireland. Oof. Yeah, that's that's a little from nineteen eighty five. Wow. New Zealand has run fifteen fifty nine in nineteen eighty three. So those are the only that's outdoors though. Okay. So there's only been two in history that have been under sixteen. 
That's uh, okay. Yeah, I like that. Do you but... think? Do you think Kenya could do it? <laughs> I would not. I know. I just. I think it's out of their reach. You know, like they just couldn't possibly. I know. And Ethiopia couldn't do it either. You know, it's not like they have guys who can run three fifty one, which will basically get you there by itself. Yomov Kajelka probably close to eight flat for two miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you have him run the first and fourth leg, and I guarantee he splits less than eight. Oh yeah, that, yeah. If you got a break for sure, instead of the two by two by four, the one by I don't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't know how you say that. <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but him and somebody else. I don't. I don't know who it, who the other person would be, but Kajelka definitely a good candidate for that. Other ho- highlights from the weekend: Grant Holloway, uh, the Florida junior, who's four for four in NCAA individual hurdle titles. Yeah, in his first two years, came back for his junior year. I remember, he was second last year at USA's. Uh, ran a flat sixty for the first time in his collegiate career and ran six point five one. And for those of you who aren't sixty fanatics, uh, that's tied for the ninth best NCAA mark ever. Do you know who that was the top mark? Christian Coleman. Christian Coleman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at six six point four five. But Coleman's only run faster than that twice in college. He only ran faster than twice, twice in college. Obviously, he went on to run at 634, which is just a bonkers time. <laughs> yes. if, you've, if you've been following like the college ranks, you're like, okay, anything in the 6.5 is like really good. And then you look at him at 634. Um, this, this, is very, this is very interesting um, for me. I mean, he's, he's the only co- uh, college athlete who said there was a bunch of collegiate records in the 18th season. He's the only one who came back this year. All of them either went pro or graduated. And that's not just sprinters. That's sprinters, hurdlers, distance runners, throwers, etc. We got some sort of smoke alarm going off in my <laughs> house. okay? That, no, I mean, you just – his race was fire, Jason. It was <laughs> fire. Uh, I think that's what's going we're on. We're adding in sound effects this week, guys. Yeah, man. Who knows what we're going to come up with next week. I uh, hope that doesn't wake up the, the kids here. Did you watch this race? It just I, I said it before. It's like he was surprised there were no obstacles in front of him, and he was just like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really hard to get that kind of separation in a 60. Like, it's just there's not that much time. It just it doesn't yeah. – he looks like he's, yeah, going against kids or something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and the fact that he's, you know, he's not a true sp- straight sprint no. guy, obviously. Um, but he's certainly – I mean, I'm sure he could be a 9-9 guy. Um, like he's you know he's already most really really great you know one ten hurdle guys can run really fast, uh, you yeah. know the hundred meter straights obviously, uh but yeah he's he's good at a lot of things <laughs> he's just right. really so he's, good at anything, right so he's his one ten PR is thirteen fifteen mm-hmm. he's long jumped eight thirteen he's split forty three point. <laughs> On a four by four leg, yeah, and and then now he's run six fifty one for sixty. It's just incredible if you look at that. And I know that all those things are related. It's not like Ash and Eaton throwing a javelin to the moon and then also long jumping to the parking lot, right? Which is closer to the moon. <laughs> um, but like even within that, that's range within a very you know that specific set of event disciplines yeah but that's just that's it's still remarkable i mean to be able to do to to be, to be able to you know be 43 ish 
on a relay split in the quarter and then also do 651, those are two totally different types of sprinting. <laughs> oh. great at both of them. Yeah, and then you throw in hurdles because the technical right. aspect and jumping and all that. I do like uh, right below this video the first comment it shows a still of him crossing the finish line and the clock at 6.3 and it's the six, the guy writes 6.3 and then like the thinking emoji, you know, like with the, the hand <laughs> and the chin. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy below him goes broadcast broadcast representation of the timing. Isn't the same as official timing. The only thing that it displays correctly is the timer's final clocking. And even that gets mainly checked by photo finish officials. <laughs> he responds back. Hey Ziga. Cause that was the guy's name. I ran track. I know, bro. Trust me. I know. <laughs> it's like, then why did you That's do the ver- original tweet? <laughs> Like, that's a very, uh, that's a very, it's a very track response there. Yeah, like you can't go well, six three, huh? Maybe, and he's like, well, no, actually, this is the reason why. Yeah, I know, man. I ran track. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm confused by this argument then you're having. That's a very detailed response too. I yeah, like detailed sorry, response. I just I enjoy that. I know no, no I, comments, I, but I that's that's fun. He's Grant Hall is causing people to be confused with their own <laughs> with their own eyes or are, are showing them. I think a lot. I mean, people are familiar, track people are very familiar with him, but maybe not as much as because he's still in college. But, yeah. but this is somebody who's going to be Oh, he's going to be big. superstar. Yeah, exactly. And you look at this, that 60 speed, and if if he sticks with the long jump after college, mm. putting that speed on the runway. Yeah. Because that's always been part of the reason that people say the long jump is now, bef- this is before Juan Miguel Echeverria did what he did last year, but... You know, back in the day, the fastest guy on the team always long jumped too. And people say, well, that's sw- that changed. And people specialized a lot. And sprinters didn't want to long jump anymore. And that's why the marks aren't as far. Well, here's a guy who runs 651. I don't know what his flat 100 is. He doesn't have a flat 100 time from from college. His Tils de Pajapes does not have a flat 100 time. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just I think 60, you put that on a runway. If he hits the board clean... He's flying. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's – he could – man. I mean, the I was to say, I mean, the men's 100 is absolutely loaded in the U.S. right now. But, like, say if he wanted to try to make, like, four different teams, like, not at the once, but, like, if he just was like, I want to choose which way I want to go here, like, right. you could see him making, you know, the like, the 100, the 200, the 400, the long jump, the hurdles. Like, he, he could do almost any of those. Um which is right. really interesting to see what he does. This weekend, U.S. Cross. Just want to touch on it briefly before we get into the emails. A women's field is going to be pretty exciting. Man, there is a World Cross champs this year. So trying to decide the, the six people that get to go run that cool co- course in Denmark that has names for everything. Remember, it has like a cool hill. Oh, yeah. Up top of a parking garage and it's very artistic looks cool uh this women's field let me run through some names here jason you can give me some some picks if you want or some thoughts amy Craig, heard her very interesting she's pretty good yeah uh courtney frericks not bad yep mariel hall shelby houlihan oh molly huddle whoa winner winner (laughs) Shannon Roberry's in there. It's a road uh, race. Rachel like Snyder. It's, it's what, or a cross-country race. Like that's, that's her bread and butter still. Yeah. Uh, Christian Swizer's in there, the, the NCAA champ last year, who's new pro, who's run, had a big PR last year in Europe. So pretty cool. Pretty cool that they're all – I mean, if all these women 
run it and they're in pretty good shape, the U.S. would have a good team to send to Worlds. Yeah, it's yeah ridiculous. I mean, you know, Laura Thweet's in there. Uh, I mean, it's that's a really, really good. Like almost every name that you'd want to see, basically makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig will be interesting. She hasn't really we haven't seen much of Amy Craig, so yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited. You know, excited to see see her run because uh, like a healthy, normal Amy Craig would, I would bet on finishing top six on this pretty easily. Right, and you have Houlihan doing a. Uh a cross race yeah which That's, is just fun and it's, she's just gonna <laughs> wait until the last 100 meters <laughs> advice to everybody make sure shelby Houlihan <laughs> is nowhere near you at the 9.5 <laughs> 5 kilometer mark just exactly a That's... tip there for everybody else <laughs> I, I think huddle's a safe bet yep. should we say safe she's, my, she's my pick I mean, she's Ferex my pick is... no matter what but ferrix is very good and, and really in the steeple yeah yeah but man huddle it seems like I, Huddle doesn't lose these races, it seems like. And I'm sure there yeah. was like something that happened like last week that I missed that where she lost one of these races, but it just doesn't seem like like these are the ones where you just pick her always and you feel safe about it. The last time Molly Huddle lost a race to an American, Taft was present. I don't know. I'm sure they drawn. <laughs> I mean she let's I mean look at eight let's look at twenty eighteen. I'm sure there's something here. I mean I'm like I said, I'm sure I'm forgetting something obvious, but well, New York marathon, but that's yeah. I mean, marathon, marathon is yeah. I mean, the, these kind of ten k or you know something like that. I feel like is even still more in her cross. Wheel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Would would be cool to see you know the person we talked about last week a lot, Emily Sisson, who just ran that fast half. Be cool to see her. Yeah, in this in this mix as well too. But yeah, I think the fact that Huddle you know didn't run the Houston half. I mean, I know she's tuning up for London, but. I still think she could be in good shape. Usually, the, the a good pick here is somebody who's prioritizing World Cross, who really wants to get on the team because they really want to run. I don't think Huddle would run World Cross. What would that would be? That's like end of March, and then you'd have to go middle of April. That seems like mm, not yeah. something she would do. So I, I don't know how si- I don't know how um, much of a priority this race is for everybody in here. So that's all I'm saying. No, that's. I mean, it's a good point. I'm still probably going to pick her though. Yeah, she can win a race where she's not prioritizing it. That's yeah. The, that's the key to her dominance, I guess you could say. All right. Let's go to email. Like yes. you said, houseofrun at Several. gmail.com. I got, I got them all on this Google Doc here, Jason. I'm going to actually need your, need your help here um, as we proceed. Okay, uh, you let me know when to tag me in. Yeah, so scroll along. Uh, at home, you can too. I'll give you access to this <laughs> Google Doc. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll go through these. Some of them are longer than others, uh, you know, as per usual. It's the same sort of... It'd be uh, weird if they were all exactly the same length, though. I want to check how many... Before I do this, let me just check how many words we have oh. in all these. Yeah. There's a table there. <laughs> Some Excel. Ooh, something in italics. All different fonts, too. I didn't really do a good job with that. Let's go to word count here. Oh, 4,593. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got wow. 11. Well, it's about 10 pages because the rundown's on one page and the email's the rest. <laughs> uh, let's go to Woody from DC. Uh, what's going on, fellas? I just watched the documentary Icarus on Netflix and it really opens your eyes to what was going on in Russia. I'm not sure if you've seen it or heard of it. Well, yes, we have. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember ever hearing you guys talk about it on the pod, so I thought I'd bring it up. 
think we did. I'm, I couldn't tell you the episode, though, but we did. Uh, the director begins documentary of the goal of seeing how doping cyclists beat drug tests and then takes a hard turn deep into the Russian doping scandal. Uh, it's just crazy to think how orchestrated the entire operation was and how they still haven't owned up to anything or made improvements since the original ban. Want to see your thoughts on the doc and how the entire situation was handled. Another note, wanted to piggyback off Matt's email last week about every country having their own Yuki. What if a championship marathon was set up for the Yukis of each country where they battled for the ultimate Yuki title? The competitors would have to run at least a certain number of marathons in a year to be eligible to compete, maybe eight, <laughs> and the championship could take place at the ever-so-popular Marshfield Roadrunners New Year's Day Marathon. Ooh. What should the winner be called, and is there anyone that could beat our boy in this challenge year over year? Thanks for doing what you do, and keep it up. I mean, I'm not betting on anybody over Yuki, just because, I mean, right. someone else might be able to do what he does, but we've seen him do what he does, and... Mm-hmm. He could just rip off, you know, low two tens and low to mid two tens, and then throw a two hundred eight in there every once in a while. Um, what would the winner be called? I mean, Yuki Kauchi is the right answer. Well, the winner would get a panda suit. I think Perfect. that would be the yeah. award for for the victor. There. Do you know when the Yuki challenge could actually be? Hmm. I, I stumbled on this today when I was googling around. So this year's Berlin Marathon is on Sunday, September 29th. Okay? You got okay. that in your head, that date? Yep. Sunday, September 29th. Now, you know the World Championships are, are late this year. Yes. Correct? Do you know when the men's marathon is? I do not. Well, I'll let you know. December 9th? It is uh, October 5th. Ooh. So we're talking six days. Yeah, so you could do the double. So for women, it's in the beginning of the World Champs. So the women, it's on the 27th. So someone could do the, the World Championship Marathon and then two days later Whew. run Berlin. Or you could start with Berlin if you're the men and then end a few days later with World Champs. I think that could be the stage with which the ultimate Yuki is crowned. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good start. And then, yeah, I think there has to be... Uh... Yeah, you know, going going forward, we get to the point where it's like, hey, you run a marathon every month, and you know, just add up the total times. Like, you have to run at least you have to run twelve marathons and only twelve sure. marathons, and then you you add them up. I guess if you DNF, can you rerun? Yeah, maybe you can rerun one. I think that it needs to be called the ultimate Yuki. I would think. Yeah, it's that's named good. after the guy. Like the first year, it has to be named after the person it's created for, and then generations down the line. People will, you know, ask to know. Okay, what does it mean to be the ultimate Yuki? Uh, as for Icarus, yeah, we already talked about that a couple times. I think on the pod, I enjoyed the documentary. Was I mean, interested just from a film perspective. It was interesting how it started one way and then completely took a sharp turn in a, in a different direction. Um, it didn't. I mean, this came out after a lot of the other investigative reporting came out regarding Russia. I wasn't wholly surprised by it, um, but seeing it from the perspective of that, you know, the whistleblower Rachenkov was certainly. I mean, it certainly humanized the issue, and to me, it just solidified my position about how big of a problem it is and how different it is when people try to paint everything with one broad brush um just how uniquely you know brazen what's going on there is and the fact that as he mentions nothing's changed and then they're like okay cool so we've done our time right yeah no no you haven't 
yeah, I don't have too much else to add besides that. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, I do think it was really interesting, and I yeah. If anyone hasn't watched it, you should you should check it out. Um, all right. Yeah, yeah. I don't Here have we... anything else. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Let's keep it rolling here. Thomas, the high school runner from York, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I wrote us an email over multiple days. I'll read some highlights. Wednesday, January 23rd, he said he went back, watched a bunch of races from NCAAs today, noticed some things I haven't before that I pre- to, that I find pretty funny to start. Trigger warning, Jason, in the world's best 4x4 on the second leg for uh. USC, as we all know, is Rye Benjamin. And for Florida, is everyone's favorite track personality, or at least competitor, to know Lyles Grant Holloway. I haven't continued to be fascinated by running for him. In this case, I'm talking about how Rye Benjamin looks like he's barely breaking a sweat, and Grant Holloway looks like he is struggling, but hey, I make funny faces when I run, so who am I to judge? Uh, he says, for the majority of the year, I had the NCAA outdoor champs or Euro champs as meat of the year. NCAAs needs no explanation, but Euro champs because of the youth, a.k.a. Mondo and Lilbritson winning with incredible performances, but watching back some of these old videos of Michael Norman, Rye Benjamin, Eli Hall, and Sydney, I want to change my mind. NCAA indoor champs as meat of the year because of the incredible performances such as the previously mentioned 4x4, Michael Norman in the open, uh, the amount of matchups we had, like Kendall Ellis versus Sydney in the four, and the suspense of who would win. Eli Hall running 20.02 in the 200. That's fast. Indoor 200, 20.02. Yeah, that's... Uh, Rye Benjamin running 20.35. That's a, like, sneaky... So, because Eli Hall ran so crazy fast, like, we forgot Rye Benjamin was in that race, and that's a 400 hurdler running that mark. Right. Just, yeah. <laughs> So many exciting things happened at this meet that really satisfied the track world, at least here in the States. I think this is partly because of how indoor meets have to have heats and set times to beat by early heats, but it was a very exciting meet and moved my number one spot. Um, he, oh, and then he's talking about his own his own schedule. He says, this weekend's probably my last indoor meet before States. He does States, not State. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Add another, add another bit of evidence to the ongoing debate between the two. <laughs> Might have one more to try to get a better time. We'll see. He's doing the 400 in the vault. Um, and he says, I was watching a show on YouTube called Hot Ones where they interview a guest while eating chicken wings that get hotter and hotter and hotter. And they had special guest Gordon Ramsay. He had a running quote while burning his face off in a chicken wing. And I quote, can someone hand me a tissue, please? My nose is effing running like Mo Farah. <laughs> Part of my language, but here's, it's a quote. I like that. That's, see, that's cool because the fact that a runner would be the... I mean, I know it's obviously running like, like what else are you going to say? But like mm-hmm. the fact that like a distance runner, no less, would be the, would be the drop there. Like that would never happen here. Like you might get a Usain Bolt <laughs> in the US or right. something like that, but you still more, more likely get like Todd Gurley or something like that. <laughs> uh, he finishes here uh, Saturday. With, okay, he re- recaps this meet here. Uh, he cleared 10-1, 10 feet, one inch with a really... Good few attempts at 10-7. Uh, 10-9 is outdoor PR, so he's happy. Not so great of run of 54.45 in the 400, but he's happy with the day. Uh, that's Thomas, high school runner from York, Pennsylvania. He says the rest of his jumps are on Instagram, so you can follow him at Titan underscore GTR. There you go. Nice. And good luck at state. Get the Instagram. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a state Let's go guy, but I will stay state yeah. because, you know, you're, you actually are competing in it. So <laughs> You can call it whatever you want. Matt from Boston, whose wife still listens every week at 1.5 speed. Oh, man. I still don't know how you do it, people, but good for you. Uh, So he said him and his wife went to the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix uh, for a great night of track, and here were his random impressions. 
The in-house public address announcer was a British guy, which is always a good thing. Seriously, is there anything in life that isn't made at least 28% better with a British announcer? I think even the Pro Bowl will be watchable with the action called by some of the English accent. Scotsman might be even better, but I digress. He's 100% uh, right on that. Start. The Pro Bowl? Yeah. No, well, I watched it anyway. well, the Pro Bowl is, is garbage, but that a British announcer will make anything better. Like I agree with that 100%. What was your take on the AFC? I mean, really just... <laughs> I don't think I watched one minute of it. No, I didn't. And I was very. I didn't. Know, I didn't know it was on. I did not know it was on. So that was, that was good. Uh, right before the start of the women's five k, the announcer said that it was the first time in ten years that Jane Simpson had raced that distance indoors. The camera was on her, and she rolled her eyes and started cracking up. Not so sure if that's the thing you want to hear right before the gun goes off. I wonder if she was wishing she was doing the mile instead. Twenty-five laps of an indoor track is a long way. Race of the night for me was the 800. Brazier Murphy was an incredible race. Brazier looked out of it with 150 to go, and his kick was incredible to watch. I'd love to see the two of them face off many more times this year. Here's hoping they both stay healthy. Uh, four, our seats were on the back straight right near the pole vault pit. Watching pole vault in person always blows me away. How this event isn't a bigger deal among the general public is something I'll never understand. I've heard Malcolm Gladwell talk about needing to get fans closer to certain field events to make them more interesting. I think he mentioned holding the high jump in a tennis stadium so the crowd can appreciate it better. I wonder if something similar would be possible with the pole vault. Well, they do do a lot of street vaults and mall vaults and backyard vaults, all sorts of vaults uh, around. It's just, I mean, it's obviously tough to, they're not that common. It's more common for them to be in the stadium. Uh, And finally, getting to see Sydney McLaughlin pro debut was great, but New Balance went overboard with trying to protect her for the win. The other women in her race were never close to her, and it just wasn't compelling. Here's a thought. Instead of having a 500, a 600, and two section 300, just take the strongest runners from each race and have them face off in a 400. You know, something fun and interesting to watch. Maybe Sydney would have won, or maybe she would have lost, but at least it would have been a good race. Anyway, that's all for me now. Thanks for the podcast. That is Matt from Boston. Yeah, I like these. I, I like that you went to the race, first of all. That's awesome. Um Agree on the eight hundred there, yeah. The, the yeah the pole vault thing. I mean, th- yeah, it is something that when you're watching it, like kind of close, just like is completely mind boggling. Um, I don't think I ever saw the high jump in a tennis stadium, but I like that because yeah, it's no, th- no, that's what he wants. It hasn't happened. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think I'd heard that theory, but like, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, because when you're so far away, it's you can't. It just doesn't register like how mm-hmm. high these things actually are and if you can actually see it it's just like holy crap and i totally agree about sydney let's go to donald a mediocre high school runner for Col- from columbus ohio love it he said something you said in your episode about kipchoge versus mo really made me have a realization as i have only been a fan of the sport for about a year i realize i've been spoiled by kipchoge's dominance of the sport when i see someone run 205 i don't realize the magnitude of how fast that is the only non-Kipchoge time that I found fast was Gitana Mola, the Dubai winner who won in 203.34. Speaking of Mola, do you think we'll be uh, the next Kipchoge, as he previously had never run a marathon, and this was the fastest debut by any runner excluding Boston courses? In conclusion, what do you think about Kipchoge's effect of pulling times down and Mola's future? Uh, I wouldn't bet on anyone being the next Kipchoge. <laughs> like, just I, I mean, I guess at some point it's probably going to happen, but I'm just... Yeah, I just can't bet on that. I mean, Mola could end up turning into like the next good, you know, guy after Kipchoge. Like that would be, be mm-hmm. huge. Um, even that, I, I'm not gonna certainly not saying it's it's impossible, but I I I'd need to see him on a non Dubai course. 
he could be very good and still be nowhere near Kipchoge. Exactly. Like that. That's just it's impossible. Like to put someone to that standard is just it's just unfair, basically. Yeah, I think. Well, and and he's right about the perspective. It's it's the bolt thing. Yeah. Once nine five. Once nine five eight has been run, <laughs> your eyes look at nine seven differently, and then you don't realize how rare a nine seven is. Yeah. And two oh one is now in our head as a anchor point or a indicator of speed or something we should be impressed by. Now I'm seeing 203s the same way I used to look at 205s-ish. Yeah. No. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, 205 used to be like, oh, crap. Okay, 205. That's yeah. That's a big deal. Um, yeah, 204s. Okay, 203s, I go, oh, that's okay. That's Yeah, that's really crazy. But yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. It's absolutely Kipchoge. He's just he's impossible. He makes it he makes it tough to come to to judge anybody else by, and it's a shame. Well, I mean, what what will be interesting is one day, just like Bolt, one day he will retire mm. and, and move on, and then what will be the new status of the marathon? Will other people have gone with him, or will it be like Bolt, where it goes back to? you know, where we are, where we were you know, pre-Bolt, basically, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, I'm not expecting all of a sudden everyone to regress to 205s without Kipchoge. Um, I feel I feel confident to say, you know, that the, the occasional 203, even outside of Dubai, like, you know, you might get one or two of those max, like a year kind of thing, like seems like the, the more realistic thing. I will say the the fact, and this is this isn't my original point. This has been said forever, going back to people talking about the four minute mile. But the fact that he ran that time makes things seem more attainable that aren't. Even if you're yeah, not, if you, if you don't have designs on running a two hundred one, but maybe it makes your your whatever your time you're gunning for seem, or even maybe you split it halfway. Oh, okay, I can, I can go out at sixty three. I can go out at sixty two. Yeah. Right. As, as as opposed to before, it's like oh my gosh, that's a world record pace. It's like oh no, it's it's two minutes off world record pace. Don't right. worry about it. <laughs> that's just that's just I think the the effect that 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 Kipchoge has, or just any time somebody puts a time out there, uh, that's that's breaks a barrier. Uh, I mean, you almost saw it kind of in like that women's steeple, right? Once Chip Koech kind of banged through there, like way you know put it way under nine. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 like more people are. Um, willing and and uh, to take risks to know that that time is is possible by by a human. The thing is, the trick is Kipchoge is not really human, so everybody's <laughs> going to be screwed. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, Mike Z from Tampa. Yeah, uh, I saw some message boards debating the hypothetical matchup of Sydney McLaughlin and high school phenom Kate Lentui in an eight hundred. Thoughts? I feel anyone picking Tui is crazy. Unchallenged, she ran one oh nine. For oh wait, unchallenged. She ran one hundred nine forty six for six hundred. She's talking about. Or he's talking about Sydney there. Uh, two is run two twelve for eight and one thirty five for the six. McLaughlin's four hundred PR is fifty oh seven. For comparison, Raven Rogers ran one twenty seven in the much more competitive six hundred, and has PRs of fifty two oh six and one fifty seven. In a closer comparison, George Ameline of fifty three point one for four hundred hurdles, fifty one point nine four hundred indoor five hundred of one hundred eight point eight, and outdoor eight hundred of two oh nine. Yeah, it's. 600 Sydney, for sure. Not cool. Well, it's saying the 800. Oh, and the 8. Yeah. Ooh. I'd, 
Oh, I thought he was taking six. I'm, I'm sorry. still betting Sydney, but it's it's a lot closer. Obviously, um, I think Sydney could could hang on Tui and then just blow by her. Sydney can run faster than two twelve. Yes, but I think Tui can also run. I don't think that PR is very true, accurate or up to date current indicative of, of her fitness in other news the kipchoge of quarterbacks tom brady is in atlanta this weekend to scope out the 2020 trials course so he and Deion sanders know where to hold the finish line i remember that email since they both own the city of atlanta pick for the big game any pro runners in a commercial this year flanagan was in it last year right yes um yeah it'd be hard to <clears throat> think of anybody else who might who might make it uh pick for the big game I'm rooting for the Rams like probably 90% of people. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't know if that's a pick, but that's what I want to happen. Uh, I'm not going to jinx it, so I'm not going to make a pick. But I agree with <laughs> you. <laughs> Let's go to Annie. Uh, she also was watching New Balance Grand Prix on Saturday during the women's 5K. The commentator said something that surprisingly piqued my interest, uh, although uh, – she says NBC Sports Network seems to have figured out split screen viewing dist- of distance races during commercial field events. The commentary is oftentimes the lackluster. Anyway, it was mentioned that Constance Klosterhalfen was one of the few women of all time who have broken two in the eight, four in the 15, and 15 in the 5K. Naturally, I wanted to find out how many women have done that and who they were. A uh, simple Google search was not enough to discover any clear answers. It mainly brought up various let's run threads of how to break two in the 800 or what the women's equivalent of a sub four mile was. The time I spent gathering data and filtering in Excel is not something I'm ashamed of, but also not necessarily proud of. In any case, here's a list I came up with. So she's got Kipiegon, Debaba, Gudolf Sagai, Constant Klosterhofen, Muir, Jamal, Natalia Artimova, Shannon Robray, and of course, Sifin Hassan. I'm curious to know if you guys have ever looked into this before or have your own list that includes any additional names. I'm fairly confident that if I'm missing any names, can't be very many. I also think Shelby Houlihan should go rip an 800 just to get herself added to the list thanks for reading that is annie the one name that i thought of was jenny simpson but she has a pr of 200 point oh so she's she's just over um that was the one main one obviously i mean hassan was the first one that popped in my head of course because i was like yeah i i knew that she had done that um i like that your your girl Miriam jamal is on here too well she then i don't have a walking pr here either (laughs) uh well hassan i mean hassan didn't I mean, Hassan's in another realm here. 156, 356, 1422. Yeah, that's right. So she has the fastest 800 PR of that group. Um, She's got Mm -hmm. the third fastest 1500. 50. And the Uh second fastest 5000. Yeah. It's pretty good. Dababa has probably one of the slower 800s, but then the fastest 15 and the fastest five. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm... trying to think of anyone else offhand but that's a pretty good list and that that is interesting um i like with Hassan though you could just keep this list going to the 10k and the h- half marathon and yeah, exactly next week the marathon probably yeah for sure let's go to jared from santa barbara jason have you ever been to santa barbara he asked. i have yeah that's there we go that's yeah drove through there that's where uh well when i proposed to my wife i i we stayed in Santa Barbara one night and then we went to Solvang and that's where I actually did it. But yeah, so Santa Barbara, very, very nice as a shock to no there one. It's like one of the nicest cities. The site of Jason proposal Eve. Yes. It's been a while. He says, I don't know if he's quoting the 
been a while. Great Creed. Is that who sung, who sung uh, that song? No, I don't think it's not Creed. Um, who is that? I just assume everything's Creed if I don't know it. Let's see. It's been a while. Is stained. Stained with S T A I N D. Nice eyebrow piercing. All right. <laughs> That's he didn't mention that. I just when I hear it's been a while, that's what I think of. Yeah, but I'm still a loyal listener. Haven't missed an episode since I started in mid 2011. See, this week was great, Ooh. Jason. We were getting people from all over the place, new people, old people, everything in between. He said he's writing to one check in to let you know I'm still listening. Love it. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Let you know how much I appreciate you continuing to put out this show week in and week out for so long. It's a continual source of joy. Again, appreciate. Thank that you very as well. much. Uh, three, share the attached photo I came across. It's from 2013. I don't think I've worn the shirt since then because I remember it was so darn uncomfortable. But if you retool with a different fit, I'd give it another go. A great endorsement there. I didn't realize uh, the shirt our... was un- uncomfortable, actually. I, yeah, I don't have one. But, um, I, yeah, I, didn't, I, I thought they were on a, you know, a solid thing there. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. That's okay. I mean, Other people who have the one. shirt, reach out. To, if, if it's not comfortable, let us know. Maybe we can make a tweak to the... <laughs> to the to the, whatever we use to order shirts, right? And then we can you know make it better. I don't know. We could potentially retool the shirt like as a whole. We could get like a new design and stuff too. One of my least favorite things is that when I lo- really love a shirt I have, but it, yeah, I don't like the way it fit. You know, if it's, I mean, it, when it Gildan, we all know the Gildan tees, and I just I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't deal with a Gildan. <laughs> uh, and then his final point: endorse Jason's idea of getting a classic iPod from eBay and using it just for listening to podcasts when running. I do exactly that and it works like a charm. Boom. Yeah. I did hear from other people about that same. Got to listen to me, Kevin, man. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, Next up, do you want to jump in on this next one? We got Brian, the emailer for me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania, ready to chime in. Drink. So you want me to read your email? Cool. Um, <laughs> I can't read it. Yeah, it'll be you already obvious. wrote it, so yeah, it'd be weird to do it again. Um, on last week's show, Jason predicted 351 for J- Nijelka. Kajelka nailed it. Now, that's exactly what I said <laughs> when it happened. This is getting creepy, Brian. Um, I think, see, and I never read Brian's emails first because I want to see how the show goes, and I don't want spoilers, and he basically has the whole show predicted. Um, I'm excited to see him attack the world record later this year totally agree brazier versus murphy was the best race of the weekend in my opinion with sydney chill out running in her own race uh Audrey wilson and raven rogers racing the 600 at two separate meets and the two heats of 300 it was nice to see the two biggest u.s 800 meter stars going head to head yeah again agreed agreed uh on the athletic <laughs> experience podcast the last few episodes have discussed a 30 minute decathlon that took place in santa barbara been there uh, that sounds absolutely brutal <laughs> i wonder what ash neaton could have done in that event that's Ooh. awesome. Is this like the athletic, like the thing that signs every writer in the world, or is this no, a thing? no, okay, no, it's different, different. But that actually is like that's the Yuki of decathlons, and I, I kind of like that. Um, I would watch people try to do a decathlon in thirty minutes. That sounds so painful and terrible. Um, the podcast also took a trip down to Nevada for the Reno Vault Summit. Host Tom Fitzsimmons did an episode that was. Ooh. That was a round table with a handful of the vaulters, and he asked them all, without looking at a map, internet, phone, what five states border Nevada? I thought of you guys immediately. Kevin and Jason would know this. Okay. Did you know it? California. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me get the map up just to double check. Okay. I want to be able to be completely accurate here. Uh, California is incorrect. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, okay, go ahead. Okay, so we got California. Um, we've got Arizona. Correct. Correct. Okay. 
We've got uh, Utah. Correct. Two more. Idaho. Correct. And this is why I knew I was going to have a tough one. So I'm picturing it. Um, Idaho. And then Utah. I'm trying to think of which which other one sneaks in. Montana? No. Not Montana. It's not Montana. Wow, this is surprising. Yeah, I thought I was going to nail this, to be honest, but I... I don't, this is a massive disappointment. Of all the states, Jason, you should know this one. I should know this one? Yes. Is it Oregon? It is Oregon. <sighs> yeah, see, I need to look at a map now because I'm... I was I, and I was torn between between Oregon and Montana, and I, I uh, Oregon, I should have obviously said, but... It's kind of hard, though, to do borders. Like, so Tennessee is bordered by eight states... Wow, yeah, and there's no chance. Someone someone was quizzing me on them, and I got to six. And the last two, I don't even remember which, which were the two I didn't get, but they were ones where I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's kind of weird. Like, you wouldn't think of it touch, I don't know. You just, even when you visualize a map, you're not like, oh, like, you remember so, something so clearly, but then other things that are a bit fuzzy. Yeah, I'm looking at this. The, the Oregon-Idaho border is, like, dead center of Nevada, too. Like, in my head... Like, I was like, oh, maybe Oregon just barely brushes, you know, it's like... No, it's a bunch. It's, it's, a it's like, board. yeah, it's a massive amount. So I, I'm just... Because I would have said, like, oh, if it's Oregon, it's like 50 miles or something. You know, something pretty small, but this yeah. is a huge amount, so... Do you know what's on better. the Oregon... Do you know what's on the Oregon-Nevada border? I have zero idea what's on there. Literally nothing, which is why there's no way you would... Know, like, people wouldn't know it. There's no... Re- like, <laughs> there's nothing... According to this, the 90 Sheldon National Antelope Refuge... I mean, of course, there's that, but everybody knows that. But then the 95 goes through there, which is interesting. But other than that, there's no, there's literally no other road that goes through this. Well, no, maybe maybe there's a smaller road. I'm not zoomed in all the way. But that's the only major, right? Um, f- like freeway, and it's a it's a fairly large uh, area. Oh, it's yeah, it's huge. So, wow, yeah, I'm disappointed in myself for uh, being a little off. I mean, I got four, but yeah, dumb. The more you know. Right? Yeah. See, that thing, I was picturing Idaho further, you know. But it makes sense because Nevada's right on California. So, of course, it's that. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. All right. Is, he, is that it for no, Brian or is he got there's, more? Uh, finally, oh, got some more. Book, uh, running book <laughs> recommendations. So, we've got Sub, sub 4, The Alan Webb Story, uh, Running with mm-hmm, the Buffaloes, mm-hmm. which we've talked about before, Pre by Tom Jordan. I actually read that. You, you gave me a copy of that in... Uh, High school, college. Many moons ago, yeah. 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 Um, I read the, the paper version of that, which means I probably retained about 12% of it. Um, <laughs> Duel in the Sun, Sal- Salazar versus Beardsley in Boston. The Perfect Mile, mm-hmm. The Chase for Sub 4. The Perfect Distance, Co versus Ovette. Uh, Bowerman in the Met of Oregon. And Shoe Dog, not exactly running, but it's Phil Knight's memoir about starting Nike. So that's a good, it's a good list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good list. We got to settle on one, though. We got to yeah. find one that everybody uh, agree on. Uh, okay, next one. Do you want to keep going here? I can go. I can go one more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got. Re- I mean, we have twelve more. So yeah, so just do one. That's what makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> we got Rex from Wales, All right. right next to England, guys. In case you forgot. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Hi, it's Rex from Wales again. Again. Hello, Rex. I- I'm surprised that you know where Wales is. Usually, if you tell someone who's outside the UK, they don't know what you're on about. I like what you're on about. That's, that's good yeah, British yeah, speak. Good one, uh, I once tried to tell 
tell shut where whales i don't know what that is to tell shut where whales is and accidentally made him think whales was where ireland is i mean it's right mm. in between right i mean that's it's right in between england and and ireland so yeah okay uh anyway my friends and i have this argument for years and have never resolved it and i thought you guys give some feedback who would win in, tri- in a triathlon a swimmer a cyclist or a runner also, where would the others be placed? I think the runner would win, the swimmer second, and the cyclist last. We all have different opinions and can't remember a time when we didn't have this debate. Thanks. Well, you, well you've you been a swimmer, and, and your brother was pretty good at, at, at the triathlon, so maybe you can have some more insight to this. Yeah. Most of the people who do triathlons usually come from a cycling or running background, and they need to learn swimming. Um, so... And swimming is it, – it makes up a smaller percentage of the overall race time. The problem, uh, though, is like I'm a terrible swimmer. Like I'd single-handedly lose a triathlon in the swimming because I'm such a bad swimmer. Right. So if you just – so like are we assuming the other people like don't know like – I mean, it just depends how bad you are at your second best and third best thing. Right. So let's let's right? say let's say hypothetically, you have a thousand runners, a thousand swimmers, and a thousand cyclists, all all around the same level in their respective events. Right. So a, th- a, a yeah, thousand but... collegiate level of all these three things. Right. I know collegiate cycling is weird, but let's just pretend that's a thing. Um, but like, how good are they at the second thing? That's what I'm saying. No, well, so that's my point. So to eliminate the the people who the one off people who are just kind of you know terrible enough to like 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 the, the me basically who would be so bad at swimming that it would kill it. So if you had the thousand of each of those and you did them all together, like who's what what group is more likely? Does that? I think that would eliminate the random outliers. Just like I would, I would still, I would just still, I'd probably lean on cyclists first because they're spending the most time on it, and then I would go running and then swimming okay but you're right though because yeah the the everybody can run right the variance in swimming is much greater yeah so it's I'm probably wrong. It, it, yeah i should ask my brother about this yeah i, I, I don't know. i'd imagine he'd have a good uh good thoughts on this yeah get brother colin to write in he hasn't wrote in in a while <laughs> jeremy writes in guys you forgot a key part of the airport 5k are moving sidewalks legal if so what would a record Oof. eligible airport 5k look like I think that it should not have more than a 50-foot drop in elevation between gates, and a world's best cannot use more than one moving sidewalk per mile. I feel that allowing runners to use moving sidewalks as if they were driving a Mario Kart would produce some interesting strategy. Do you use the first sidewalk you see to jet ahead, or do you wait and use it to get ahead at the end? Love to hear your guys' thoughts. Peace out, Girl Scouts. That is Jeremy. <sighs> this is – I don't know. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, this – this. I'm surprised neither of us thought of this. Um <laughs> And it, you know, it depends. Some airports have a very, very long moving sidewalks. Other ones, you yeah. know, just just kind of shorter ones. I immediately thought of like Chicago. Some of those, mainly, I think, because they had these crazy neon lights above the okay. O'Hare ones. I don't know, so it just sticks in my head. But man, so how fast could that be? And then we're still presuming he's carrying luggage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> I mean, if you say you're getting moving sidewalks for half of it which is probably too mm-hmm. much but if you're doing moving sidewalks for half of it that more than overtakes for the uh the carrying of the suitcase right yes so i mean yeah you're definitely I, talking world record level there 
we're assuming standard speed of moving sidewalks. Yes, yeah, you can't you can't pump them up to eleven. Like you have to keep them at. Uh, you don't have the you don't have the four, the four percent. Yeah, <laughs> sidewalk definitely that not allows you. Okay, no, I, I'm I agree with that. I mean, if, I, it, I would say if someone should try this, but they would get arrested and maybe shot. So don't don't do this. <laughs> yes, definitely do not do this. Do not do this. Kyle in California. I don't remember when I first heard about Once a Runner, but about a decade back, I tried to find a copy. It was unavailable at any library in the country, fully out of print and selling for $100 used online. Wow. Now it's available in print, audio, and digital. High school runners today are probably tripping over three <laughs> copies on their way to track practice. <laughs> Every day, it's weird to think that as someone born six years after that book was first published, that I grew up in a running world more like the one in the story than the one that exists now. Ryan Hall was a year ahead of me, and until I saw him, he was just a name with ridiculous times listed in small print in the back pages of the LA Times sports section. As a high schooler now, I'd have seen a video of him, followed his Instagram, and found his Strava page. I was driving to pick up my daughter last Saturday when I crossed paths with a stream of high school runners who looked like they were warming up for a meet. At least half of them had GPS watches, which would have blown my mind at their age. I still remember the first one I saw in action around 2003-2004. It was the size and shape of an Altoids tin, took minutes to get a signal, required a laborious data transfer process, and was still the greatest thing I'd seen. I rarely tracked any runs unless I was running track intervals because it was too much of a hassle to track multiple things with a stopwatch, and road runs were, quote, about five miles and not 4.79 miles like they are now. That is Kyle in california wow yeah that's i mean so we're about the same age as kyle uh so i i can you know relate to him on that aspect but i love the fact that yeah just a hundred dollars for a paperback of once a runner online like it is just like <laughs> su- like that seems like a hundred years ago and it was you know 20 years ago like that's that's mm-hmm. insane yeah and the course measuring thing obviously can relate to i mean sounds like we're about the same age if he was a little bit behind Ryan Hall because that's where we were as well too. I actually remember going to Foot Locker and watching Ryan Hall race when I was younger than him. And he was like this godlike figure because you hadn't actually seen him race. You'd read results online maybe, or in his case, you know, seen them in the newspaper, but that was pretty much it. You didn't actually see him, you know, you want to actually see him run. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was just, that was part of the attraction. And I, with the measuring of courses, you didn't, yeah, I remember borrowing a car or taking your car and driving around yep. and being like, okay, this is our good five mile route or running a route, getting a time and then driving it afterwards yeah. so that you knew for next time. And that just seems like the most old fashioned thing ever right now. <laughs> right. That just oh, seems yeah. so weird to explain that to your kids. Why don't you just put, push one button on your wrist, dad? No, you see, I had to get out my 84 beige Volvo, pull it out of my garage and go drive through a retirement home to see how far my loop was. or And it was probably still wrong. Or running a dual meet that was 2.2 <laughs> miles and running it like 9.45 and being like, this probably isn't measured right. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. Like The precision was off, which I, I, I wonder now if I could go back and figure out like what my actual times were. It'd be pretty funny. <laughs> or my actual mileage per week. Was it more? Was it less? Like I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. The ones we ran like continuously, we would track in my car to get... You know, pretty. I would say within within a tenth or so, which you know, at that point, you're pretty good. Right. Yeah. I just, I, I'm I'm nostalgic for when you just didn't know everything. Yeah. But but also, I understand now. It's it's it, like now, if you you took that away, it, it would feel so strange, right? Oh, like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's 
it's it's just interesting how much things have changed in not that long of a time. Right. But as Zach Braff would say, in the end, isn't that what really matters? <laughs> no? Oh, I, I always. I mean, hey, you know I love love Zach Braff. Whether it's Scrubs or Garden State, I'm in. What, like, one piece of current technology would you have most enjoyed in high school? Oh, man. That's a good question. I mean, like... I would say like any any technology that that is available today that even tangentially relates to running. So it could be Instagram, whatever. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I was never a big watch guy, even when we ran. But like, I would run with people with watches, so like that didn't drastically affect me too much. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. having the exact mileage, like a GPS watch, would be incredible. From that, you know, like that perspective, like that was right. Yeah, I don't know if there's a better like a running a better running answer. Oh, it's the four percent shoes. That's the that's the answer. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm gonna drink a glass of water. Can you jump in here with uh, with John, originally from North Carolina, still from North Carolina? Absolutely. I'll even do Andrew after that because it's two shorter emails, and I got these. Just there you go. <laughs> hey guys, short time listener, first time emailer. What's going on with Amy Craig? There's no word on where or if she'll be racing in the spring. Since she scratched Chicago, she hasn't run a marathon in the United States since she won the trials in 2016 and only two marathons since Rio. With the American field looking stacked, what's her outlook for Tokyo 2020? Love the show. Well, she's running this weekend. Yeah, that I, I had the same question uh, before I saw that start list, which was literally today. So I, uh, I think I saw this email beforehand, and I was like, yeah, what is going on with Amy Craig? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, th- this weekend will be interesting. But yeah, she hasn't run marathons in a while. And there was certainly a point where I would have picked the Agro Crag as one to make the top three. And I don't think that's that ship has sailed by any means. But like, mm-hmm. it's got a lot more crowded when they're handing out Light Fest. I don't know. I went with the ship thing. That might have, <laughs> might have fallen apart me at the end. <laughs> you just mixed all sorts yeah, of them up. It's, it's, that's, it's, yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Back-to-back emails here for Jason. Yep, here. here we go. I'm falling apart, having to read. Uh, Andrew from Andrew. Uh, all due respect, the Yuki Kauchi of the U.S. is Michael Wardian, given they both hold mm, records for... Your guy. <clears throat> back, back-to-back marathon Right, guy. yeah, that's true. Uh, given they both hold records for costume runs and Wardian's insane race schedule. And he uh, attaches a link here. That said, Walmsley does most of his crazy stuff in training or chasing FKTs and has... <clears throat> excuse me, has faster PRs, 1352 versus 1455, and 64 versus 6630. Uh, I like Walmsley a lot, and the threads about him are by far the most fun thing to read on Let's, uh, Let's Run Message Sports. Uh, if you know little or nothing about him, his video m- made during his Grand Canyon rim-to-rim-to-rim FKT is enjoyable to watch. Rim-to-rim-to-rim, that's like this Tom Amansky back-to-back-to-back national championship. All right, we'll throw Wardian in there for sure. Uh, let's go to to Jay here. Sporadic listener, second time writer. Sadly, during my first semester in college, my listening habits were relegated to road trips with Brian, not the Beach Boy. But starting the second semester, I decided to resume habitual listening. I was then downright delighted to hear the term huddle shuttle on my very first episode back. You surely won my eternal podcast loyalty. Anyhow, I'm still somewhat out of the loop in pro running. I figured you could I figured I could give you a, the highly anticipated report on the University of Cincinnati's running club's optional 1600 3200 meter time trial. Love it. Do you want that, Chase? Are you ready for that? I want that. These were our two events in high school. That's true. Uh, with a four-year gap separating Brian and I, this marks the one and only year we will be on the same team and racing against each other. Needless to say, he and I have both been waiting for this matchup. Although Brian bested me in a preseason 
cross country 5k he saw the fire in my eyes and cleverly broke his ankle so as to postpone the battle <laughs> flash forward to the beginning of indoor season i had just taken three weeks off following by wisdom teeth extraction and brian's ankle had just recovered our club's intended indoor meet at Otterbein University was called off due to travel concerns. So at 7 a.m., there was an audible to do a time trial at 9 a.m. on the outdoor track Oof. after a half-ass warm-up and 30 minutes of avoiding the cold and rain by standing in the public restroom waiting for teammates to arrive. The race unceremoniously started with four runners after a strong first lap. Three of the four runners, including Brian and I, fell apart. Despite this tactical folly, I managed to cruise to an eight-second victory over Brian. Meanwhile, the lead runner continued on to run a 3,200 at a faster pace than second place. Yours truly had finished their 1,600 in. Please, for the love of God, do not inquire as to our times. The important takeaway from all of this is Brian and I are one-on-one one against each other going into our one and only track season together, and it's anyone's guess as to who will prevail. Sincerely, that is Jay Wilson. Also not a beach boy. P.S. Perhaps both of you could regale us listeners with the story of your most out-of-shape time trial or race. Man, this is a, there's a lot going on here. Injuries, dental work, <laughs> weather, falling apart, waiting in restrooms. Like, I, I, I like you, you painted the picture, and it's nice. Um, one and one. Congratulations on beating Brian. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Most out-of-shape time think- trial race. Do you, do you have something good? Well, what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking for you is, well, for you, I remember our, and we've told the story before, but new listeners probably didn't hear it, when you and I faced <laughs> off yep. post high school in a in a 1200. Yep. Yeah, because we, so I was, I was severely out of shape for sure. Um, I always had much more speed than Kevin, but you know, he was, you always, you with the longer distances, you you would fare better, and so I was like, okay, we have to go go low. We we agreed like, oh, okay, 400. Like I think I yeah you know, I I still maintain I think I would have had you there at the time we thought eight hundred you were like no that's still too short in in retrospect you would have smoked me in an eight hundred as well um in the twelve hundred I think I finished eight hundred and then just stopped because you were half a lap ahead at that point mm-hmm. it was it was embarrassing yeah it was uh well you just, you hadn't been running no not at all and uh, right. I overestimated uh it, like it I mean it made sense that the twelve hundred like that's way too long. Like the four hundred, you know, I could kind of fake it with the speed, maybe, but even yeah. that would have been would have been close, maybe. I've never been out of shape, so I don't know really what I would say. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. I can't. I mean, there's been so many. I usually I'm so risk averse. Usually, I don't even get in races like that. Mm. So that's all I got. Yeah, really. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm trying to think of this. I don't in know. Maybe. Um, but. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's keep it rolling, huh? Yeah, please. I got a – man, now I'm really focused. Spurs game. I had one eye on the Spurs game here. Yeah. 126-124. Rudy Gay at the buzzer. Spurs win it. Whoa. Wow. Over the 11-41 and 41 Suns. Gosh. Okay. Not good. Hey. Aldridge had a great game. I'm, I'm all for it. What do you do? You just take the win in that case, right? I mean, oh yeah, you, hey, that's that's the NBA, you know. It's <coughs> I don't know, are they in a back to back or something? I can do it. No, they're at home. Okay. <laughs> no DeRozan. They don't have DeRozan. No, that's, that's, that's yeah, it. you're losing. You're missing your best player, probably. But Suns didn't have Aiton though. Um, but to your point about the NBA being weird, the Rockets lost to the Pelicans tonight, and Anthony Davis is not on the team right now. So. But like they're three, but like all of the Pelicans players are not playing too like randall's not playing miritich isn't playing like it's crazy mm-hmm. this has been your nba update <laughs> people knew it was coming there's always one 
Well, I just wanted to let people know I was only like 80% on this podcast, and now that the game's over, <laughs> I'm, I'm all the way in for this last part. Trevor writes in, howdy, fellas. Trevor here, formerly from, well, I'm still from San Diego, but I now live in L.A. Drink? I'm an avid reader, so all your talk about Once a Runner and good books compelled me to compose this here email for you. Also, notice the title says Track and Field Books. That's on his email. And not running books. Drives me crazy at Barnes & Noble when they just have generic running books and nothing related to actual track and field. Nothing at all against hobby joggers, but I can only take so many versions <clears throat> Excuse me, of chicken soup for the cat-loving first-time marathon or soul-type <laughs> books. You know. Anyway, here are my recommendations for just a few of my favorites from over the years. Uh, Bowerman and Men of Oregon. The Sports Gene, Running for My Life by Lopez Lamong, uh, Aim High by Dave Johnson about uh, Dan, you know, from Dan and Dave. Fame. Yeah. Uh, uh, Redemption by Brian Clay. He's uh, he says full disclosure: the last two are personal favorites since they both, along with myself, competed at Azusa Pacific University, three Olympic decathlon medals from one tiny NAIA school. Not too shabby. Wow. Azusa Pacific also the site of. Uh, a one minute and 38 second or something ridiculous. No, not a one minute and 38 second PR. How much did I PR by? It was my biggest PR of my life in the two mile pretty much. Wow. It took place. We went to California for a one California meet a year. This was my sophomore year. So, so Jason wasn't there pushing me in training. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, I know why I said a minute 38. It's because the year before my freshman year, I had an amazing 1248 personal best in the two mile. <laughs> And then at Azusa, I ran eleven ten. I, you know, I, I'd gone under twelve. I'm sure that that season, but it was like a maybe it was like eleven thirty five down to eleven ten or something. And I was in the slowest of the slow sections, but there was like forty people on the track, and they were all like around my pace. And the weather was awesome. It was like the complete opposite of running a dual meet <laughs> in Las Vegas. And I went out smart and just like passed a million people the whole time. And it was like the best race of my life. I liked the meet so much that when I started coaching, I was like, we're going to Covina for the Azusa Pacific. And I went there and it was still cool. And the sna- I remember the snack bar being good when I was in high school. And it was the same way when I was there. The announcer tells like jokes. I don't know if it's still the same announcer. Like he picks on people in the crowd. It- it's a very unique thing. Like you don't see that or hear that, excuse me, from a track announcer that often. So I like that track as well too. I like uh, that. In any event, and sorry, never. Another... I mean, I, it always surprised me too, like how, like how much you improved over the years. Because I do remember that you, you saying, like, as a freshman and stuff, like you. I mean, the whole not having a bunch of talent thing. Like you can actually, mm-hmm. you, you can claim that you were not the, the. You you got by on a lot of really hard work, which is impressive. And the assistance of the lightning fast Azusa Pacific, of course, yeah, track, yeah. It was amazing. Uh, okay, bonus. He says, in case any of the House of Run listeners are coaches or just want to learn how to actually run, this is a fascinating practical book on biomechanics. Uh, it's called The Mechanics of Sprinting and Hurdling by Ralph Mann. He says, I'll stop there. I could go on and on. But because I love track, I love reading, and therefore I love reading about track. But there's a few for y'all to chew on. Happy reading. Uh, that's Trevor. P.S. On the non-400 specialist relay, I humbly submit Grant Holloway for consideration. He did split a 43.8 as a college freshman. Very good call. Oversight. Ooh. Yes, I just assume, I counted him as like a a four hundred guy because he's on the four by four, but but yeah, I mean certainly can't. I mean it, it's, it's his, his seventh best exactly. Event. <laughs> like that's <laughs> you beat me to it. Okay, we got two more and then three voicemails. We're gonna do it, Jason. <sighs> Man, it's, I love it. I mean, I love the amount of the emails and these are really good too. Yeah, voice is starting to go. Probably need to sneeze here at any moment. 
Um, can you do the first part of this Timmy Two Shoes? Yeah, so that way I can sneeze. I'll, I'll try to keep. I'll try to keep going if I can. So this is Timmy Two Shoes, okay. the emailer for me from Springfield, but now from Boston. Drink. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> had the unique experience yesterday of being able to compare my live experience of a track meet with the NBC coverage of, a, of said track meet, and boy howdy, does a live experience blow the televised one out of the water. A few things that come right to mind. Jeff Waitman is the hero the sport needs but may not deserve. It really shouldn't be that hard to show the pole vault with how much time uh, between events there are. There was. Raven Rogers cut in early. Jared Eaton is a legend for not getting booed in Boston after admitting he's an Eagles fan. And then on top of that, getting, <laughs> getting the Reggie to do the wave. Uh, big ups to Gabri- uh, Gabriella Stafford and Sierra Me- Megan. Megan? I don't know how you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the respective national records. I think it's uh, McGean. McGeehan? McGeehan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sierra, Sierra McGeehan on the respective records, uh, national records in the indoor mile. It was uh, it was cool to see both of my ancestral records, Canadian and Irish, get broken in the same race on my birthday in what was arguably the race of the night. Happy birthday, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing Jake uh, Waitman's dad, Coach Jeff, mentioned over the PA was that Gabby is now training, for our, training with our Laura which could potentially shake up the women's 1500 heading into Tokyo if Stafford can carry the momentum she's shown early in 2019 into the next 18 months, as if the women's 1500 wasn't loaded enough already. Mm-hmm. Gabby Thomas and Kendall Ellis stole the show as far as the newly minted New Balance athletes were concerned, but I'm not surprised given that Sid didn't even want to race this early, uh, only acquiescing to the race because it was her sponsor's event, so long as they let her race the non-event that is the 500. Uh, she came out and dominated a field she absolutely should have dominated, putting my NAU fandom aside for a recent grad, Ashley Taylor, and <laughs> all the high schoolers went home happy with their selfies in hand. Cl- there you go. Cloud. Uh, okay, now that that's out of the way, the real action <laughs> took place in a different neighborhood of the greater Boston area as the John Thomas Terrier Classic, streamed live on FlowPro, uh, I'll be waiting my check, Kevin, uh, saw dreams <laughs> realized as my teammate and Massachusetts legend, as the as the race commentator put it, Ben Grillo. Sure. Okay. Uh, put the demons and jokes about having one 359 calf and one 401 calf to rest by uh, taking on the pace that <laughs> started to lag halfway through the race, only to be rewarded uh, for his effort with a shiny new 358 PR. Wow. Uh, between the there stories of Roger Bannister going hiking the week before his first ever sub four <laughs> and knowing that Ben was cross country skiing last weekend when New England got our first bout of fresh powder, I'm getting to think that Jim's Jim Walmsley is going to win the Olympic trials marathon. <laughs> Go ahead and at me, Ray and Steve Steel Town Runner. <laughs> All right, I'm done wild yeah, now. Not. Before I go, I just have to give a quick shout out to former athlete, to my former athlete Gabe, who had a birthday yesterday, and who not only broke 4:30 for the first time, but solidified every <coughs> indoor distance school record, including the 4 by 8 with his 4:24. I'm just glad that the coach, when I was there, was foolish enough to let me run in the steeple that one time. So let that, so that all at least be left with one by the time the kid graduates. Records by default for the win. Sydney arm warmers were a bad choice or a bold choice. Bold choice. Yeah, that's right. Sydney more than yeah. arm warmers. Um, <clears throat> great email there from, uh, from Timmy two shoes. Um, records by default. Yeah, that's good. If you ever can get like the, you know, if you get that 600 record, you get that 500 record might, might hang out. I would have gone for them all while we were in high school. I absolutely <laughs> would have tried to set all those. <laughs> my, my buddy Justin in college was really proud. We were, at that point, obviously, just a distance running focus club. So he had the club record in the 400. <laughs> and he was really proud yeah, of it. Yeah, I would have I, I been the same. <laughs> Bruno, to close it out. You're right. <laughs> now <man>. I'm dying. <coughs> I know, My apologies. I know I stumbled over that last one, but this is a short one if you want me to do it. 
Um, no, I can do it. And then we'll do the voicemails. All right. Uh, I'm, re- I'm recovering from the old sickness here. Uh, what up, y'all? Bruno here, longtime listener, first-time emailer. And I got a few thoughts for you. We have all long sought a way to make the Mo versus Kipchoge rivalry real and fallen short on a real way until now. What must happen is that Drake, the rapper, needs to become a huge Kipchoge fan. If you haven't heard of it, the Drake curse is that any team that Drake becomes fan of will lose. His fanship made Alabama lose to Clemson. Hashtag fact. Therefore, Mo or some famous running podcast host must convince Drake to become a huge Kipchoge fan, and it will therefore be unable to win the London Marathon and a true running rivalry between two titans of the sport will begin. Other than that, I can think of no other way to make racing Kipchoge a fair fight for other humans. Love the pod. Hashtag beat Orkney. That is Bruno. I like that. That's a good call. Yeah, the Drake curse is is good. Um, it's real. It, I mean, it's yeah. Real. it's The Raptors never get out of the first round, right? And hopefully that will continue this year. Mm, the bitterness. Uh it's real, Jace. Uh, okay, let's do let's do voicemails. Let's start with mid Midwest's. Excuse me, because that last email we had specific instructions to play before Midwest's voicemail. I don't know if they're connected, but I guess we can figure that. Oh, out. Oh, okay. Here we go. Hey guys, this is the caller formerly known as Midwest. Yes, I moved, so drink that milk, Braylon. All right, first I need to give a big shout out to my man Bart. Bart's a listener, and you know he hasn't called in yet, but he's listening. And he put a ring on that young lady's finger, so I need to give him a big shout-out. Congratulations, my man. All right, you guys are talking about, you know, what's Bolt going to do next? He's done with soccer. We don't know what he's going to do. Man, this is, like, the most obvious thing in the world. I spent some time in Chicago and spent some time in Nashville. And you know what all these celebrities have in common? They have restaurants. But, you know, restaurants aren't really Bolt style. So do you know what I think is coming to Jamaica? The Bolt Nightclub. You know that man likes to get down, likes to go dancing. So here's the challenge, House of Run Nation. I'm firming down for the grand opening of Bolt's inevitable nightclub. Who's with me? I need some hard firm downs this next week. Please, we're going to go live it up with Usain Bolt at the grand opening of his inevitable nightclub. All right, speaking of Bolt, you guys are talking about who has, who's had the most prow- prowess in their second sport. Bolton soccer or Michael Jordan in baseball? Man, I can't believe you guys missed this. You're both wrong. It's Ryan Hall as a bodybuilder. Have you guys seen this man lately? I showed a picture of him and uh, Lance Armstrong to my mom, and she's just like, is he on steroids? That dude is huge. All right, guys. That's all from me. Shout out. Uh, I'll see you guys later. Peace. That is Midwest calling in. Formerly from, I, don't, I want to know where he's at now. Did he? Uh, Did he update with the location? You know, he uh, he actually he was uh, he messaged me on Twitter, um, okay. basically saying I was a, I was a hero for redoing the show on my end. So yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, but he said he had moved to North Carolina. So oh, okay. it, I said East Coast West doesn't have the same ring to it, but um, we'll we'll accept <laughs> it. I, I so I, I mean I know there's nothing that you could possibly care less about than nightclubs, but if Bolt opened one, you would go right. I absolutely would go. And on cue, I saw Bolt tweeting last week about some champagne, some alcoholic beverage he was endorsing. Of course, and it was just perfect. I'm for the um, I'm for the Bolt uh, <laughs> restaurant too, though. Like the f- yeah. fat, fastest food, <laughs> the the fat. You know, like, I mean, that's I don't know. I I would I would go to anything Bolt Bolt does. Basically, I'm 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 in. Let's go to the next one. I'm falling apart over here. Yeah, it we sounds close it sounds out. rough. We got we got two more. Right? I don't I don't I don't know I don't know what's happening to my my throat here. The 
sinus infection or whatever I had. It it, it gave me like 85 minutes of a def- decent voice. Yeah, we got uh, two more. We got one from Scooter and one from Chief. All right, here's Chief. What up, boys? Chief from Illinois. Well, now Indianapolis, drink your milk, Braylon. Um, two things, boys. Uh, one, the whole Matt going to BTC thing, uh, has there been more coverage about why that's a bigger deal? Um, not necessarily from because Matt switched, but because the rivalry between the coaches, um, between um, BTC and OTC, if, if we go back and I remember correctly, didn't Salazar um, almost get or have to be restrained from getting in a physical altercation um, with Jerry? Um, I have to go back and read. So I did not, admittedly didn't check, but also wasn't there something why um, they split off from OTC because those two couldn't get along? Uh, second thing um, about that was that Salazar um, didn't – who was – was there another athlete that he lost at some point? I was trying to remember, but I'd like to hear more about that with peace, with that piece, boys. That is Chief. Um, yes, he's correct. That happened at, at U.S. Indoors one year. What, there was a some bumping. Um, was it Bumble, Bumbleo got DQ'd? Yeah, right. Yeah, there was, and and then they said he forced the DQ. Ryan Hill was involved. Uh, obviously, Rub was involved for for NOP, and then they were um, at least it was reported they were animately <laughs> yelling at each other. So that's that's real. I, I mean, how much that had to do with you know several years later Centro doing it? I don't know. Even <coughs> excuse me, even <coughs> the Nike Oregon project itself is kind of like Salazar coaches some people and Pete Julian coaches other people. Like we talked before about Brazier and Murphy, they have two different coaches there. Not that there's a rivalry within the group, but everything is very. It's not as you know. You're, you're, this isn't your college team or your high school team. When you get to the pro ranks, things are kind of going in a lot of different directions. I, I, I don't know ultimately if that had much to do with why. I mean, Centro is the only person you can say, but. I don't know if that had much to do with it because a lot of those things are, um, I guess we're already baked in. We already knew that. Yeah, and that's and I, I don't know if the other person he was thinking of who left Nike Oregon Project was Mo Farah. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, so Webb was there, and then later on in Webb's career, he went to BTC. Oh but, yeah, okay, going directly from one to the other. Yeah, I was just like first one that popped in my head who left. There might have there was probably stops in between of those two. I I, I can't recall, but yeah, Mary Kay, yeah, you're right. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. All right. <laughs> Last one. Here we go. It's the great scooter. Two, one, oh. <laughs> you want to break this down? <laughs> the t- two, one, oh. <laughs> I asked for a sound. You I asked did for ask a sound. sound right? You know, because I, I, I I'm, I'm obsessed with. Why American men can't break? Oops, sorry. Um, why American men can't break 210 in the in the marathon? As anyone who listened to the show, I don't know, the past year and a half, two years, has, has known. Um, and that that was that was that a little you know Swiss Alps Ricola kind of action there? I, I think it was. Yeah, I which I respect. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Anytime. I mean, 
the question is do i do i play this like if somebody actually breaks 210 or just i mean it's just going to be dropped 12 times an episode when i'm talking about it i think anytime we discuss it seriously okay or not seriously anytime either of those two things happen we play it and that's rule that sounds fair i like that <laughs> it's a good sound it's a good drop no i yeah i like it it was I mean, I think you were glad it was short because I, you might be dying. I hope that's not the case, but um, I think you need to get, get get some sleep there, bud. Yeah, we gotta get. I gotta get some water. I wanted to. I was gonna walk and get some water like ten minutes ago. Probably should have. But we'll leave it there. House of Run at Gmail dot com is the email address at House of Run on Twitter. Thank you so much, everybody, for writing in. Really appreciate it. Let's keep that going next week. Maybe not as many. <laughs> But we get, I'll budget them better next week. Write, write them all in. Everybody, your thoughts on indoor, what you want to see the rest of the way. Let us know. Until next week. Jessica Ennis. This is like Jordan's flu game we got going on here. This is, this is an impressive performance by Kevin. I feel like I've been sick like seven episodes. <laughs> Just not good.